Last Sunday, we heard the story of Adam and Eve as our first lesson from the Hebrew Bible. This Sunday, we fast forward, moving beyond the story of Cain and Abel and the Tower of Babel, both of which were also stories of sin and failing. We move today to the beginning of the history of our salvation. That beginning takes place with the call of Abram or Abraham. God revealed the divine presence to Abraham, and once that revelation took place, nothing would ever be the same. Abraham and his wife Sarah were called to follow God, to be perpetual pilgrims with no lasting dwelling. One day, suddenly, and without any regard for their merits, they were called to leave their past, their old religion and old ways, and set forth with only God to guide them. A hymn by John Bell and Graham Mull from the Iona community in Scotland paraphrases such a call from God. Will you come and follow me if I but call your name? Will you go where you don't know and never be the same? Will you let my love be shown? Will you let my name be known? Will you let my life be grown in you and you in me? Though Abraham was old, God promised him a new land and that he would be the father of a great nation and finally that he would be a blessing to the earth. I don't think it was the promise of land or of many descendants wonderful as both may be, that persuaded the patriarch, but rather when God told him he would be a blessing, that Abraham hoisted up his robe and decided to follow. Is it not a wonderful thing to think of yourself as a blessing in the lives of others? Take a moment and think of those in your life whom you would describe as a blessing. Wouldn't you like to be such a person in such a company? Lent is a time to ask ourselves such questions. It's a time to take stock of who we are and where we're going, and if we're not going in a direction that follows the blessings of God, to turn around and return to God. God's call to Abraham gives us the first glimpse of God's love for us and God's desire for us to share in the happiness of heaven. The hymn of God's call continues and asks us more questions, questions very appropriate for Lent. Will you leave yourself behind if I but call your name? Will you care for cruel and kind and never be the same? Will you risk the hostile stare should your life attract or scare? Will you let me answer prayer in you and you in me? Another way of saying one would be a blessing is to say that such a one answers prayer, both by helping to answer others' prayers, but also by answering God's prayer in and to the world. Prayer is conversation, and God is not the only one who answers. Abraham had to break with the idolatry of his past and put his trust in God. He had to trust in a future that defied common sense. Scripture says Abraham was 75. His wife was past childbearing age. To follow God meant to constantly leave themselves behind 
and strive toward what must have t at times have seemed ridiculous. They had to travel light to keep breaking camp and pitching tents as they followed a God whose promises were extravagant and unbelievable. But they followed. In our lesson from Paul's epistle to the Romans, Paul extols Abraham's faith and says, it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Paul saw Abraham as exemplary in his trust of God's promise. Abraham was not rewarded for any works or merits. Rather, he was the recipient of God's boundless and unexpected love. In Paul's theology, the true children of Abraham are those who understand that salvation is a gift of grace, a free gift bestowed on all of us, regardless of our failings, our sins, regardless of our goodness, our merit. Our primary task is to open our arms, welcome, and believe. Such a simple act of faith was not easy for Nicodemus, the Pharisee who came by night to speak to Jesus in our Gospel reading from John. It took courage for Nicodemus, a respected religious leader, to come and see the itinerant rabbi who was causing great controversy among the other leaders and people of his temple. Nicodemus recognized truth in the teaching of, teachings of Jesus and was convinced Jesus was a teacher sent by God, but he was unable to understand what Jesus was telling him. Jesus spoke in parables, and Nicodemus couldn't grasp their meaning. Jesus told Nicodemus that unless he was born from above, he would not see the reign of God. Nicodemus was perplexed. Try to put yourself in his place. He understood birth literally and could not imagine going through that process again once a person was grown. How could a person be born again? Could he grow small the same way he'd grown tall? Could his years reverse and speed him back to nothingness? Why did this man Jesus, who seemed a holy man, talk such nonsense? Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, one cannot enter the realm of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel to me that I said to you, you must be born anew. The wind blows where it will, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know whence it comes or whither it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Now, this is perplexing stuff. I can understand Nicodemus's confusion, can't you? It's hard to understand what is required of us. Jesus is talking about a depth charge in our lives. He's speaking of the creation of our immortal souls. It's something best approached by parable and metaphor, by poetry or music. Only language that dances around the subject can point to it. Jesus is saying that the life of the individual soul must have a beginning, and it begins with baptism with water and the spirit, and it grows. Jesus is speaking of the acquiring of wisdom and the change in process by which that happens. Not all will come to know the way the spirit of God works in our lives, but for those who do, it's the pearl of great price. 
And once again, like Jesus, we're speaking in metaphorical language. Jesus is trying to get Nicodemus out of a mindset that prevents him from seeing part of his birthright. Jesus wants to help the Pharisee understand a reality as present as the wind on a breezy day, and yet equally invisible. Jesus is telling Nicodemus that we are, in fact, recipients of two bloodlines, one in the physical world and one in the world unseen, and the Pharisee cannot understand. Our modern mindset clearly prefers the material world, but as people of faith, we live in two worlds. We're twice born and richly blessed when we take time to acknowledge and honor that second bloodline. Often such an acknowledgement only comes to us after a time of great struggle and even suffering. We may have felt cut off from what we had seen as a previous source of security, strength, even joy. We may have felt adrift, lost, even abandoned. But somehow during that time, we found another source of nourishment was feeding us, something new to us, different and unexpected, and we knew we were being cared for. In today's gospel account, we are party to a learned man's struggle to grasp the astonishing teachings of the rabbi from Nazareth. Jesus went on and said, no one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. <clears throat> and just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Jesus is referring to an incident from the book of Numbers. It occurred after the Israelites left slavery in Egypt, and en route to the Promised Land, they wanted more food and better water. They even began to look back in longing to the food of Egypt and groused over their newfound freedom. When they were eventually struck with a plague of their own, a plague of snakes, they repented and asked Moses to intercede for them. Moses prayed on their behalf and God directed him to make a staff with a serpent of bronze on the top of it so that those who were bitten could look upon it and be healed. Jesus was comparing his life and ministry to the healing power of the staff of Moses. And when he spoke of being lifted up, it could well have forecast the cross. Our gospel reading continues and includes what is probably the most famous passage from the New Testament, one that many of us learned as children. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son so that everyone who believes in him should not perish but may have eternal life. Jesus explains that the whole history of salvation is in reality a love story, plain and simple, and that he did not come to condemn the world but rather to save it by transforming the hearts of his followers. There's a choice for us implied in these words. We are called, like Abraham, to be among those who believe, who have trust, who have faith. And like Abraham, we're also called to be a blessing. It's a decision we make once 
and then must renew again and again as life challenges us anew. Lent is a time to renew our commitment to our faith. But let's take a moment and think specifically about Jesus' words and the designated recipient of God's love. God so loved the world. The term that is given is the world. If we pause and reflect, it is the creation as we know it, this fragile earth, our island home. It's also all of life that shares this earth's limited resources. And it is also most clearly you and me. I could as easily have quoted, for God so loved you, and please fill in your name, that he gave his only son that you may believe in him and not perish, but have eternal life. We know Abraham heard God's call and followed and became the forebearer of the three great faiths of the book. But what of Nicodemus? Did he ever come to understand? It seems that his night visit to Jesus began a journey to new understanding and new faith. He appears later, during the ministry of Jesus, when the Pharisees were challenging and considering arresting Jesus. Nicodemus reminded his colleagues that the law required that a person be heard before being judged. And the last we hear of Nicodemus is when he comes after the crucifixion with Joseph of Arimathea, who was described as a secret disciple, to provide the customary embalming spices. The Gospel says he came bearing about 100 pounds of myrrh and aloes and assisted Joseph of Arimathea in wrapping the body of Jesus and laying it in the tomb. The Gospel does not say Nicodemus became a disciple, but it's clear that he had become a follower and perhaps a secret disciple like Joseph of Arimathea. Jesus said that the Son of Man must be lifted up and that lifting first took place on a cross. The cross is our guide and the image of our soul's hearing, so much like the serpent on the staff of Moses. Some days carrying our own cross is very difficult and we may feel the cost of discipleship is too high. And yet there's more to the story. Out beyond the cross, the Son of Man is lifted further and higher. For God so loved the world. The Gospel is at its heart a love story. The words of Jesus ring with the truth of every human heart. And so on this second Sunday of Lent, we're encouraged to respond to God's love with our own love, to answer God's amazing grace with our faith, and as the Son of Man is lifted high, to lift up our hearts, because God so loved the world. Amen.